Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to a week 15 edition of Please Bet on Football Games. Uh, today I'm your host, Joe, and Alex is doing finals right now because he's like a good student or something. So instead, you guys are all going to be treated to a guest appearance from the lovely Alonzo. I don't know it. I don't know how much you want me to dox you. Don't dox me. It's fine. Okay. Even though I'm I'm very public, I'm very public on Twitter. So if anyone wants to find me, you can just go to my Twitter and and I'm it's open season there. There you go. Um it's Alonzo Cervera underscore. So I just dox myself. There you go. And go read his shit on Draft Network. It's good stuff. Insightful, insightful football mind, which is why we have him as our guest this week. Hey, I appreciate that. So uh last week we went three and two. And we won our best bet. And I don't know the details because Alex keeps track of that shit. And like I said, he's going finals. So we're going to skip the bullshit report this week. And we're going to go straight into some games. Let's get in depth with it. Let's just no fucking no fucking around. Thursday night football. Let's run it down. 49ers at Seahawks. 49ers are laying three on the road. Do you want to start off or should I? Uh, um, I think for me personally, I really didn't know where to go with this matchup because I see the case for both sides. Yep. You know, I think that Brock Purdy looked phenomenal last week, but he was playing uh, the Todd Bowles disaster defense. Uh, it's been kind of, it's been weird watching the Bucks this year because if you look at just the raw point totals, the defense has looked fine, but it's just been, I, I would say it's been misleading because they, like they've been, you know, some somewhere along the lines of lucky and, and just situationally inept. And it all kind of came to a head um, against the 49ers. It's, you know, it's, what, so. it's what they've been doing for two years. They're totally okay with allowing all of the little dinks and donks. And they're basically hoping that eventually if we play soft coverage and we make a couple exotic blitzes per set of downs, you'll fuck up. We'll get a takeaway. We'll get a sack. And that'll be enough to get us the ball back and get a stop. And if you don't make an egregious error, you can just slice that up all day. And that's exactly what the 49ers did. And they and they haven't been forcing the Bucks. They haven't been forcing many turnovers. They haven't been forcing those egregious errors. Turns and out when you have no pass team. rush. Hey, you have no pass rush. Tryon's terrible. They lost Barrett. So, you know, we'll get to the Bucks later, I assume. But yeah. I have a whole rant saved for them. Uh, <laughs> but he looked great against them. Um, then again, going into Seattle, that scares me a little bit. On the flip side, you got Christian McCaffrey. You got that running game. Going up against the Seahawks defense that just gave up 200 yards against the Panthers. So I, I see the, the potential. They're terrible up the middle, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really see the potential for the 49ers just absolutely gashing them. So I don't know what you think. What do you think about that? I'm I'm in the same boat as you. So on one hand, I think that Brock Purdy is probably the best quarterback that's been on the 49ers roster all year because that's a bar you can walk up. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I don't think Brock Purdy's special. I'm not even sure he's average, but he's not terrible, which is a big improvement for that. Uh, I, I don't think losing Debo means all that much. It's They still have Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk. They're going to be fine. Funny. Yeah, Debo, Debo and McCaffrey kind of work as insurance against each other. Yeah, in a way. they're very similar. That's the, that was the beauty of that trade. Yeah, and they're, they're very similar, but not redundant. It's it's a perfect fit. Um, Absolutely. 
the weakness of the 49ers offense aside from quarterback, which like they it's a weakness, but they obviate it, right? Kyle Shanahan makes sure. it go away. The way that they all of their receivers just so happen to be excellent after the catch, and the entire offense is geared towards getting them the ball in space on easy passes. So the quarterback isn't really a weakness. To the extent they have a weakness on offense, it's kind of their offensive line. But I don't yeah. think there's a single player in the Seahawks front five worth a goddamn. Like I in Chenna Upen Wosu. Maybe Nosu. Maybe Nosu. Well, he got off to a hot start this year, but like he's an average. He's a journeyman player. He's not. He's not sure. a starter. If, if your team signs yeah. Uchenna, Uchenna Nwosu this summer, you're gonna be like, okay, okay, <laughs> like, good yeah. depth, fine. You're sure. not. You're not uh, a good third edge rusher. Sure, but yeah, no, I just. I don't think they have any – I don't – we know they can't stop the run because their linebackers are pretty weak. Jordan Brooks is a perfect case of athlete that can't play football at linebacker. Probably should be an edge. Yeah. Got a lot of those at LSU. Devin White, yeah. that's probably all of them, but that's plenty. It's too many. Um, so They're going to be able to run on them. They're not going to be able to speed up Purdy's progression, his processing. The secondary is pretty good. I actually like their secondary quite a bit. I like Woolen. Yeah. Woolen. I like Woolen. I like Bryant. I like uh, I love Wonder Days. Yeah. No, I, I like their good, secondary. Good little outline of a secondary. And they can they can really build off that this offseason. Oh yeah. Uh depending on what they do, if they decide if they decided to pass on taking a quarterback with that Broncos pick, they could build a nice little defense pretty quick. Oh yeah. No, add like one edge. Right? If they if they just hit on their picks. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're close. But the the, the defense is the 49ers are gonna put up 28, 30 points, I think. Because right. The Seahawks just won't be able to stop the run. On the other side of the ball, Geno Smith's had a really good year, but he is falling off a little bit. I, I graded uh, yesterday morning, I graded his game from week 14, and he had six pickable balls. That's not great. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was bad. And like wow. two of them two of them came on passes within five yards of the line of scrimmage. So it's not going great. Uh, it, it seems that sure. for whatever reason, he's fading a little bit. And then it sounds like you're going to have Bosa and Armstead this week. Yeah. Against a defensive interior that's not that strong. I love Charles Cross. I love uh fuck, what's Lucas's first? Abe Lucas. Abe Lucas, Washington. Abraham. Yeah. I, I love both of those tackles, but they are still young. They're not ready for Nick Bosa time. So you're gonna have to double that's, them. With, I mean nobody yeah, that that's the matchup. That's the matchup that I absolutely circled here because if if they hold up and they've really held up all year, they've been outstanding. If they can hold up against that front I think Gino and these receivers can really take advantage of this secondary. I think the 49ers secondary is a secondary that can be had. Yeah. Uh, even you saw with uh, the Bucks game last week, the Bucks had some shot like opportunities to make plays on this defense. I don't know if you've graded the Brady game from last week. It was terrible. Uh, but they had some chances to hit some big plays. They had the 49ers are very prone to coverage busts, and they're the, the Seahawks are gonna have chances here to hit a few big plays to lock it or to Metcalf. And that is what they both do, or even so Goodwin. Well. That is that yeah. their entire and that's what they do. Ball. Fuck, dude, no offense. Like, they've got four dudes yeah. who can really stretch the field on at all times. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, that's I I can't really bet this game. Like I I lean 49ers and it's definitely going to go in the maybe pile just because we got to have five bets and it's not a great week for making bets in my opinion, but now that that yeah, it's a shitty week. It's well, I've said that like literally 10 times this year. So at some point it's just a week. <laughs> but no, yeah. this game is tough. The Seahawks are they've lost a little bit of their shine, but they're still plucky. 
the 49ers are good, but everybody always feel I feel like everybody's always one tier ahead with the 49ers. Like they're really good right now. They're probably a top five team, but people like to think of them as like a world beater. And I don't think they're that. I don't no. think you, I don't think you can be that without a good secondary or a good quarterback. Sure. Yeah. But I agree. Yeah, I they're a Brady said, away. Yeah, they're a Brady away. And next year, it's going to break my heart rooting for the 49ers because I do hate San Francisco <laughs> as an idea. But yeah. no, it's going to be beautiful if if and when it happens. It'll be so beautiful. I, it's going to happen. We'll, it will we'll, happen. We'll, we'll do an entire podcast about that when it does happen in the summer. For now, we move to Saturday night, and the Indianapolis Colts are catching only four going to visit the fraudulent. Minnesota Vikings. What's your take? Well, Minnesota has been fraudulent all year. Um, and this is a matchup of horrible versus horrible. Uh, <laughs> the Colts offense, the Colts offense is horrible. Yep. Uh, the Vikings defense is horrible. So bad. So <laughs> my question here is just what's going to give. Uh, and I guess when in doubt, my answer would be the team coached by a dude that was on get up like a month ago still it'd be one thing if he was with like one of the more intelligent sports conversation services such as the athletic or even the ringer but this dude was doing get up dude if he was if he was like mina kimes <laughs> like mina kimes is in mina kimes went to yale if, if he mina was, kimes if he is was a working, smart person well yeah but he played center in the nfl so he knows more than us automatic oh come on you know how many times come a day on. i get those comments on my youtube videos oh my god but oh boy People who aren't allowed to talk no. about quarterback play online. Me, Bill Belichick, Kyle Shanahan, and Sean McVay, because none of us played pro quarterback. Um, Don't get me started. No, but look, <laughs> the, the Colts have, the Colts have, I looked this up, a minus one and a half, the minus 1.1 turnover margin per game Jesus this God. season. That's 32nd, 32nd in the sense. league. It makes, if you think yeah. about them in the abstract, that's exactly what you'd expect. It's a leaky offensive line. It's an old noodle-armed quarterback. It's young wide receivers who are hurt all the time. And it's a defense with no teeth. No teeth. No teeth. And, and no teeth. I, so clearly, anybody who knows what they're talking about will tell you the, the Vikings have been frauds. They are a lot worse than they're Absolutely. They're, they're, not, they're not a 10-3 team. No. They're, they're about 500, about 500. I think they're a little better than 500. I mean, remember how bad the NFL is this year. Yeah. Meanwhile, the yeah. Colts are every bit of 4-8-1. and one. They, they, sure. are, they are not a good team. So four points is tough. Laying four points this is line, a bitch. This line implies Minnesota's like minus one or minus yeah. one and a half on a neutral field. Slightly I think, better. yeah, I, I don't see that i think minnesota is probably minus three on a neutral field i i like minnesota in this game like, i do too i i hate the line i, I, I think minus like, four is fine yeah, I, I think do, it's fine i do too i, do too. I don't i don't love I, it I, but i i like it look we're we're doing the former um the former professional players thing here is head is head coaches kevin o'connell versus jeff saturday kevin yeah. o'connell like did his time coached under sean mcveigh he was an assistant he worked his way up everything jeff saturday did his time at espn <laughs> like debating with debating with stephen a smith and not even and yeah, then he not got hired on the, not on the flagship shows just on the takey show yeah yeah I, I mean and he's he's coming in with a dog shit roster he's coming in a veteran just, roster that's wait, a veteran roster that's given up. I don't like this matchup for the Colts. I don't like the coaching matchup. I don't like anything about this. By the way, 
I brought up the Colts turnover margin per game because Minnesota's turnover margin per game, they're a plus uh, 0.5, which ranks fourth in the league. So you're talking a very opportunistic team versus a team that just loves giving the ball away. Yeah, and, and I, so give, me, give me the Vikings, man. Give, as as much me. as I hate the Vikings. Okay, first of all, I agree. So I just flooded my kitchen. <laughs> I forgot that the, uh, the piggy bank that I used for the sound effects was holding up a marker board, but we'll live. Oh, boy. And if you think I'm going to edit this out, you vastly overestimate my work ethic. It's, all, it's just good content, too. It's raw. This, yeah, this is, uh, this is that emotional content. It gives people an attachment. Yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. First bet of the week, Vikings minus four. Also, I, like this, is, this has nothing to do with anything because it's already baked into our evaluation. Kirk Cousins was so fucking good last week against Detroit. Like, n- nobody's talking yeah. about it. He was, he was like fucking, he was like special good. And this is a one o'clock game. It's a Saturday. Times. This is a Saturday one o'clock game. It's an I island game. I don't know how that works with his church schedule or his his routine. I don't know. Whatever the fuck makes him good when nobody's watching. But you know what? He played pretty good on Thanksgiving. So fuck it. He did. I was gonna bring that up. He was excellent. There are church services on Saturdays. He can go. He'll be fine. All right. Fine. You can and go after the game. The middle game on Saturday. Baltimore Ravens going to Cleveland to play the Browns. Browns are laying two and a half. We're not really sure who's playing quarterback for the Ravens. Kind of a scary proposition here. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna lie. The so the Ravens have the, the Ravens starting quarterback is obviously uh the artist known as Lamar Jackson. The Ravens backup quarterback is uh Tyler Huntley. The Ravens third string quarterback is a guy by the name of Anthony Brown. Oh no. When bad. when I saw a tweet that the Ravens had inserted Anthony Brown at quarterback, I thought that they had inserted the cornerback from the Cowboys as an emergency quarterback. I like I was concerned. I, I just thought like, oh, they, they just put in an athlete to run like the option at quarterback. You're like, not that far essentially, off. Essentially, is that essentially what they did? So Anthony is, Brown, Anthony Brown, fellow Boston College Eagle graduate, uh, was terrible at Boston College, transferred to Oregon, played at Oregon as a grad transfer last year, was terrible, and somehow somehow got signed onto a practice squad. Uh, because, I mean, let's call it what it is. The Ravens have basically figured out that they, they're exploiting a market inefficiency. They can keep on finding very athletic quarterbacks out of the college ranks who aren't really good at playing quarterback, but definitely are athletic enough to run their gimmick triple option type offense. That's kind of what it sure. is. And yeah. so like Tyler Huntley, on 30 teams in the NFL, Tyler Huntley's a third stringer. On the Ravens, there's not really a drop-off between him and Lamar. It's not very big because just that's not how they run their offense. Yeah. Like, if you can run a 4-5 or, or better, that's basically all they need from him. Anything Huntley else can probably run better. Yeah. Uh, that said, Anthony Brown, he's a special level of suck. Um, yeah. On the other hand, Deshaun Watson is also a special level of suck. He's been worse than Jacoby Brissett this year. So through two games, huge sample. Yeah. But it's been, it's irredeemable so far. And, you know, trust me, I hear plenty from Browns fans that you can't take anything whatsoever away from any of the games this entire season because he's going to be so rusty. Okay, fine. If that's the case, this game happens to take place this season and therefore he will continue to be a rusty player. So for the purposes of maybe you want to believe next year he can change. 
I don't agree, but that's for the summer. For this week, there's a pretty good chance he's going to suck because he couldn't move the ball against a banged-up Bengals defense. He couldn't move the ball against a terrible Texans defense. The Texans. And now he's playing against the Ravens, who started off the year not so good on defense, but they've really come on late. I I really like their defense now. The Ravens have been excellent on defense recently. They have. and They they added three new edge rushers. They had two edge rushers for the first month of the season. Now they have five. It's a huge difference. Yeah. We're looking at this this screen here um, to just give the listeners some insight on how we do this this podcast. I mean, we're looking at uh, basically the, the, the PFF matchup, which shows the, the depth chart, a visual of the depth chart. And we were seeing Tyus Bowser and Jason Pierre-Paul, who were not playing for the Ravens in the early part of the season. Yep. So, and then they can still um, bring in... They can still bring in the ageless wonder Justin Houston. Justin Houston is a monster as a pass rusher. Like, he can't go for as many snaps as he used to, but that's why the Ravens were suffering early in the season, because they had ancient Justin Houston playing every snap. Now, they can save him for 30 important ones, and it's going to work. The the Browns have looked really dysfunctional. I I want to go Ravens here. I can't do it until I know who's playing quarterback for them. If it's not... If it's Tyler Huntley, this is my best bet of the week. If it's Tyler Huntley, if it's Tyler Huntley, I'm going Ravens. And we haven't mentioned the maybe the most important part of this bet, which is the Browns' run defense is like historically terrible. I like think they play defensive tackle. They start. They start fucking Taven Bryan at defensive tackle, and and then they rotate and Tommy Toby Taven out. Bryan. <laughs> Taven Bryan wouldn't start on any other team in the NFL. No, he is. Yeah. legitimately one of the worst starters at any position in the NFL. It doesn't get better at linebacker either. Now that JOK is here, no, but does not. The the entire right now that JOK, their defense is clowny. Great. Well, Miles Garrett, amazing. Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom, really good. And then shit, just shit. Yeah. Like you could have your John Johnson the third and your Grant Delvin at safety. They suck. It's bad. (laughs) Yeah, and they. They suck, but they're they're like levels above what they have at linebacker and defensive tackle. Which is so sad. Because I, I don't think Delpit yeah. starts on many teams. Not many playoff teams. And no, and, probably and he's and he's probably their fourth or fifth best player on defense. So yeah, if, yeah, if you get, no, if he, you get Tyler Holmes, God. Yeah. He, he's not he's not better than Newsom or Ward or Garrett or Clowney, but there's a case to be made he's fifth. Sixth best player on defense. You're right. With JOK gone, you're right. It's a yeah. It's a it's a horrific defense and against the run. I mean, the Ravens are just gonna they're they they're gonna run the ball forty times. Fucking uh, J.K. Dobbins looked good last week. Great. They had they had yeah yeah they had Dobbins and Gus Edwards playing for the first time since like 2020 last week. They still have Kenyon Drake back there. Um, so I, I really, I just see, and Ronnie Stanley, I think, um, playing for the first time in a while too. I just see that offensive line putting, putting them on, what is it? What's the term? Putting them on, on skates for the entire game and them running the ball 45 times and the Browns is not having an answer because they don't personnel wise, they do not have an answer. Yeah. I, I think that, Okay. I'm going to make a contingency. If Tyler Huntley or, God forbid, Lamar Jackson plays, that's bad. If we get Anthony Brown, <laughs> I probably still bet it. 
Probably, yeah. But I'm less enthusiastic. Probably, yeah. If it goes to three and a half, which I think it might if Anthony Brown plays, do we just just take the half point? We grab the half point. I think it's still a field goal game. Yeah. No, if, if it goes to three and a half with Anthony Brown, I think you're in a good spot because this Browns team is not in a position to blow anybody out. I think it's going to be a very low scoring yeah. game. And because of the way that both of these teams want to try to run the ball, there's just not going to be enough time to build margin. This game is the gonna... bet the under yeah. with Anthony Brown. Yeah, I would bet the under. Bet the under. Yeah. Like, honestly, this game could have like a total of 35 pass. Yeah. And the way that even with Huntley, Huntley versus Watson, that's probably 35 passes and two picks. Sure. So I see it. All right. The last game on Saturday is the Miami Dolphins and Tuanon going up to Buffalo. The fighting Tua. Taking on the Bills in the, in the 30 degree snow. The line is Bills minus seven. Just as a little bit of background before you make any, uh, before you have any takes. I would like you to know that the Dolphins had heaters on the sidelines in Los Angeles last week because it was 55 degrees out. I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, if 55 degrees in Los Angeles is rough, 30 degrees, windy at night, snow on the ground in Buffalo is going to be unpleasant. Yeah, especially for uh, Mr. Noodle. Yeah, the limpest of all dicks. (laughs) The limpest of all dicks. I just, I I think of this game and I think back to the game that Tua had, the winning in game. You remember that game in Buffalo? I think it was 2020. Yep. In Buffalo. Yep. And he, he had, he was wearing those long sleeves and Buffalo, they could have, they, they just, they could have given him the game. Yeah, they didn't need and, to win. And they didn't. Yeah, Buffalo, they didn't need a win. And and they kind of half-assed the game, but Tua just gave it to them. He, he got picked off like three times. They were down 21 nothing before, 21-3, something like that, before you could even look up. And he just looked flustered. The, the last game the Bills and Dolphins played, the Bills ran like, I'm like, was it 90 plays? On offense, yeah, it was it was eighty eight, I think, yeah, yeah, like eighty eight plays on offense. Somehow they lost that game. They had no business losing it. Josh Allen played the worst game of his season by a mile, too. Yeah, which is saying something because he hasn't been great recently, and that's the thing that kind of scares me about this line. The line scares me. The money line does not scare me, and that's what I'll get to with this bet because you know I would not bet the Bills spread, but. The money line, I would bet. Oh, yeah. Um, this is a drop-dead teaser like This is yeah. a drop-dead teaser, and it's a drop-dead teaser with the next game I want to get to. But the, the, the Dolphins, I would just say the last two teams they've played seem to have kind of figured them out. Absolutely. And it's a two-game stretch that is – I saw it on Twitter, and I forget who tweeted it. It might have been uh, your boy Arjun or uh, – Tej, but they tweeted same energy, and it was a picture of Jared Goff's two games Arjun. against. It was Arjun, right? Yeah, he tweeted. It was Jared Goff's two games in twenty in twenty eighteen twenty eighteen against um, the Bears and the uh, remind me of the other game, the Eagles, Bears and Eagles, and two was two games against the 49ers and the Chargers. And then Ben Solak had a great breakdown of how uh, the the Chargers were basically taking away the middle of the field, yep. saying, all right, throw it outside. We dare you. Fucking yep. dare you. Every single team the Dolphins play is going to do that. And as the, <laughs> as the weather gets colder, as the conditions get windier, you know what, Tua? Good luck. Because you have a noodle for an arm. You cannot get the ball outside. You cannot rip a single throw. Doesn't matter that your receivers are going to get open against 
the leverage were, corners are playing. They were open. Wide ass open. Wide ass open. They're wide ass open because they're giving it to them. They're giving it to them. They're giving them throws on the sideline, but Tua cannot make the throws. He is physically incapable of making the throws. So yes. we'll take off, we'll scramble, and that's it, right? So I mean. Good luck. I mean, they're they're gonna have some adjustments. I think they'll run maybe some shallow crossers with these guys. And well, that's that's the change, yeah. right? So yeah, Solak did a really good job breaking it down in super really great depth. Um, and then yeah. I, in like two minutes, Solak is great. Yeah. No, it was awesome. It was perfect. I I literally I I recorded like as soon as the game ended, I recorded a whole video. I broke down every snap of two, and my grand thesis was like, I figured out how you do it. You drop the linebacker fifteen <laughs> yards instead of five. And now Tua doesn't have all those middle of field throws to waddle in Tyreek and only waddle in Tyreek because he won't look anywhere else because he can't progress through his reads at all. He's one of the worst post-snap processors in the NFL and all of that shit in the early season when everybody's like, look at this anticipation from Tua. Turns out he wasn't anticipating jack shit. He was just zoning in on his one number one read and then saying, fuck it, it'll get open if it isn't. Like he just was, he was your little brother playing Madden, having Tyreek Hill on his team running the fucking play and the orange route, the one that he's supposed to throw to, he just fucking does it. And if it's covered, he fucking does it. And because it's Tyreek, it usually works. If it's covered, and if it's covered, he has Jalen Waddle, who also has 98 speed. He doesn't have 99 speed like Tyreek. He has 98 speed, okay? He has 98 speed. But if you take away that middle of the field, you drop those linebackers, Tua doesn't know what to do, Tua doesn't have the arm strength to improvise. Tua doesn't have the brain power to get to something else quicker. And I was so proud of this 30-minute video. And then Ben Solak did two minutes summarizing it all perfectly succinctly. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty fucking good. But yeah. the fun thing is that – so the 49ers and the Chargers made the blueprint. Absolutely. But this is already what the Bills have been doing. Like, the Bills have been doing this all year. Their, their game plan against any generic team is we're going to drop our linebackers deep. We're going to come up and hit. We're going to play a fuck ton of zone. That's exactly the blueprint. They already knew and they already played to us. So for the first time all year, we're seeing a team with their second run at Mike McDaniel. For the first time all year, we're seeing a team playing to their own strengths with the blueprint to beat the Dolphins. For the first time all year, we're seeing Tua play in cold weather. And I keep on telling myself with each passing week that it's just one more opportunity for Josh Allen to get healthy. And that's just one fewer excuse he has for the frankly lackluster passing he's been exhibiting over the last month. But I agree with you. Laying seven is just, it's too big, especially in weather. It's, I don't like doing it. It feels icky. I would do it. I would do it in non weather. I would, but in weather, it's tough. And in weather, it's just tough. If you made and I, I, I think that Josh Allen, I think that Josh Allen is getting better every week. I see progression. I, I see, I see progression. He looks better. He looked better against the Patriots than he did against um against Detroit, you know. And even against Detroit, he still has a couple of fucking throws every game. Even in his unbelievable game, he throws. throws. He has a few. He has a few throws every game that are worth three points on the scoreboard just because he made them. Like the the game winning field goal for Detroit. Okay, the, the, yeah, one the, the fucking one insane throw. Yeah, that nobody talked about. 
I mean, fuck, even right. the game they lost to the Jets, he threw a 70-yard bomb on the fucking nipples, and it just got – Davis dropped it. Like, yeah, he, he won the game. It just didn't get completed. Um, So, yeah, you put a gun to my head. I'm not even thinking for a second. I'm taking Buffalo for the contest. We've already got two picks. I don't need this one. I am going to use Buffalo Moneyline in parlays. I am going to use Buffalo as a teaser leg. Yeah. And speaking of the teaser leg, I don't know if we can talk about this next game. You think in – Philadelphia at Chicago. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I, um, skip ahead. I have, uh, well, this was the next game in the ESPN yeah. uh, ESPN schedule I was looking at. So uh, Philadelphia at Chicago is Philadelphia minus nine uh, on the side I was looking at. I don't, I don't know what you have. Yeah, minus nine is the line. Yeah, minus nine. So for this matchup, I I kind of like Philly spread here. And obviously, with that being said, I like the teaser. Essentially, everything favors Philadelphia except the quarterback. Uh, you can argue that even that's arguable. You know that that's probably a toss-up and context-based. You know what would what would Hertz be doing on Chicago right now, and what would Fields be doing in Philadelphia? Yeah, you can you can pick nits and you can Fields throw it. Those guys, where I honestly don't fucking know. I honestly don't right. know how he would do on any other team. I have absolutely no idea. Um, he's shown like fucking unbelievable flashes. We know he's a, an amazing runner for sure. <laughs> that we know for damn sure. He'd probably be doing unbelievable things as a runner in Philadelphia with that offensive line and with that run schemes with that run scheme. And um, you know, Shane Steichen would be cooking shit up for him as a runner. That I know for damn sure. Uh, and he would have been doing he wouldn't have waited until after Philadelphia's bye to do that so uh, I I have a feeling Fields would have been pretty good in Philadelphia and who the hell knows about Hurts in Chicago regardless you can argue that Philadelphia probably has the best roster in the NFL independent quarterback you can argue that Chicago probably has the worst roster in the NFL independent quarterback so just bearing that in mind no pun intended I like I just like the Eagles give me the minus nine I don't really care um it's it's a lot of points and they're in Chicago but Philadelphia's been dominant they've been dominant all year they have one slip everyone has a slip but man Chicago is a banged up b not very good and Philadelphia is a healthy b very good I lean with you I don't I don't think I could do the minus nine just because it is such a big spread and so much motivation is going to see that and it's going to be I mean I see that you live here I don't I haven't even checked the weather report I know it's going to be around 30 to 40 degrees gray and slushy outside it's not going to be like oh yeah on football. everybody's going to want to go the fuck home. nobody's going to want to be out on yeah. the field um yeah I do think that so the way that the Bears have been hanging in games for the last month or two is just constant scoring and trick plays. Like every game, sure. Justin, Justin Fields breaks one huge run that either scores a touchdown or leads to one. Awesome. Every game they have one gimmick play where they gain like 50 yards off of some weird throwback or uh, they really like rolling fields outright, sneaking somebody out deep left on like a beer or like a oppo corner and then just throwing it as high and far up across the field as possible. Kind of like what uh, Justin Herbert did in the Sunday night football game this past week. But uh, 
So they'll get two touchdowns out of that, and then they just try to keep scoring because their defense is not worth shit. It's not going to work against Philly. First of all, Philly plays zone defense, harder to run against zone defense with your quarterback. Second of all, Philly plays zone defense, harder to get those coverage uh, breakdowns from trick plays. Third of all, Philly's got a great defensive line that's going to control the line of scrimmage. You won't be able to run the ball the way you're used to, and they have fast linebackers who will be able to flow with and track the quarterback. I think that Philly can get like four stops aside from turnovers, and we also know that Fields loves to turn the ball over. I think they can get about four stops agnostic of turnovers, add in the turnovers five or six, and that'll be plenty enough to win this game. I just don't want to lay nine because I'm a huge pussy, and I don't like laying nine. However, as a teaser leg, I'm totally with you. Yeah, and that not laying nine is totally fair, totally understandable. I I get a little queasy laying nine, and I wouldn't I wouldn't we're making five bets. I wouldn't put it in those five bets. But if I if I had to pick a side in terms of the spread, I would pick the minus nine as opposed to the plus nine. Like I'm not no, taking I totally, the points I totally here. Leave it. I totally leave it. I, I, I'm not I'm not taking the points there. If I had to pick a side, but the teaser the teaser that I'm a hundred percent looking at is uh, Bills uh, Bills Eagles. And, and you can just. You can tell Vegas knows that that's a good teaser because anytime you see a line made at nine, nine is not a relevant football number. Ten is. The reason they put it at nine is because it's teaser protection. Because if you tease that down, it's minus three. And if you push on a teaser, you lose the teaser. So they're banking on this. Basically, they're saying, yeah, it's a great teaser leg. Please don't take it. And we're going to fucking do it because we like it. Um, Fuck it. Next game. Next game. All right. Let's uh let's do Atlanta Falcons with the newly minted starting quarterback Desmond Ritter going down to New Orleans and taking on the fighting Andy Dalton's. Andy Dalton's minus four. Andy Dalton is minus four. And what do you think? I I have some thoughts, but I'm curious to hear yours. I it's another case of minus four just being scary because I really do think the value is. Yeah. Great. I really like the value on New Orleans. Whatever Me the too. fuck, whatever the fuck the drama is with Mariota and the Falcons, it doesn't sound great. What I do nope. know. What I do know for a fact is that Ritter is a significant downgrade from Mariota. I'll stake my fucking mortgage on that, especially in his first game, especially against a savvy veteran defense. Like, the Saints defense isn't what we thought it'd be, but it's good. It's fine. But you said it's it's savvy. It's... Yeah, it's, these are good players who have been great, right. and, and also Tyron Matthew, who has not. But that's, that's a hot take for a different day. It yeah. looks like Marshawn Lattimore might even fucking play, God forbid, which would be huge. It would be. So basically, the way I see it is the Saints' defensive line is not great. It's probably the weakness of their defense, but it's solid against the run. And the Falcons have a terrible offensive line. Additionally, Falcons. Go ahead. The Fal- no, the Falcons have a terrible offensive line, and. You mentioned the Lattimore point. Marshawn Lattimore could play. The Saints could also stick me at corner in this game. It might not matter because, A, the Falcons don't have what you would call fantastic receivers, and they're going to start Desmond fucking Ritter at quarterback this week. Desmond Ritter socks. Desmond Ritter, like, Desmond Ritter was not very good. He was not very good in the AAC. Desmond Ritter was not very good in college. He slipped through the third round of the draft. Like we have to remember what the NFL told us it thought of this past draft, right? Like just we have to remember what the NFL told us it thought of these guys. The first quarterback in the draft went 20th overall. And he's not and, good. and by the way, he's not good. We he's shown us he's not very good. Then there are teams with quarterback needs all throughout the NFL. It's going to be a very quarterback heavy movement offseason this year. Just will be. 
think run your beautiful minds through the teams. So bearing that in mind, no other team took a quarterback until about the early middle of the third round. Yeah. And that quarterback was Desmond Ritter. So that is what the NFL thought of these players. And then Mariota, we can say what we want about him. He quarterbacked a team that up until the middle of the season was like eighth in offensive DVOA. It was a good offense. Dude, it was a good offense. It's a very efficient offense. If you look at his QBR, it's still like 15th in the league. And that's after two terrible weeks in a row. Yeah. I I don't think Ritter does that. I don't I don't think Ritter could have quarterbacked a team to like that level of efficiency on offense. And I just think Falcons fans are gonna and the NFL world at large, which has tried taking shits on Mariota for somewhat valid reasons, because Mariota, he didn't have many positive splash plays this year. He just didn't. Yeah. And he had quite a few negative splash plays that just stood out. Yeah, right? His like, highlights are thumbs. always negative. He had incredible lowlights. But at the same time, he was pretty steady. He was just relatively steady. And that's reflected in the fact that the Falcons were a relatively steady offense all season, despite the fact that they have a horrific offensive line, and despite the fact that they have no talent at the skill positions outside of Drake London and Kyle Pitts. And you can say what you want about Kyle Pitts, but he's a talented big slot receiver. So there you go. Mariota quarterback that team. Good luck with Desmond Ritter. Give me the Saints. Four points is scary. It is. But the Saints, like you said, they have a good defense. It's good. It's full of just good, savvy veterans. And Dennis Allen is what scares me here the most about this matchup is the coach in this match. Because Arthur Smith is a good coach. And Dennis Allen might be a good defensive mind. And I think that that good defensive mind is going to be what wins them this game in terms of the coaching matchup. But he's a shitty head coach. Kind of, he's got the Todd Bowles syndrome to him. You know what I just realized? I fucking love this game because in my head, on on the other side of the ball, I was handicapping, thinking, you know, Andy Dalton's underrated. Like people give him a lot of shit. People gave him a lot of shit last year in Chicago, and like he's never been even even last year in Chicago wasn't bad. He certainly wasn't transcendent, but he's a professional quarterback who does his job. He just he toes that DAC line. He'll just do. He'll, he'll take what the defense gives him. He won't fuck up too bad. Well, he's playing against the Falcons defense. We were bitching about how like, oh, Grant Delpit would be like the fifth or sixth best player on the Browns. I think he might be the second best player on the fucking Falcons, or the third best player on the Falcons defense. Because AJ Terrell's great. <laughs> You're not wrong. Brady Jones great. AJ Terrell's great. Basically, everybody else is a practice squad player. And they they look like it. Yeah, yeah. And Lorenzo Dolan, Carter. Lorenzo Carter's had his moments this I, year. I love Lorenzo yeah. Carter coming out. But as a third round pick, I thought he was great value. I didn't think he was necessarily like a drop dead starter right away. And Andy Dalton's going to take what they give him and they're going to give him a lot. And because they know they don't have a lot of skill on defense, they play really off coverage. And do you know who's always been really, really good against off coverage? Is Chris Olave. Andy Dalton. Oh, Chris Olave. Chris Olave's going to fucking eat. Oh, my love. He's going to eat. Because he's going to get five to 10 yard free releases because they just can't run with him. And God forbid they shadow him with AJ Terrell and play like a like a cover six so like man on his side and then zone everywhere else they're too creative they have i mean they don't have a lot of good receivers but they have lots of receivers that they use and one of these days alvin kamara is going to look like a good running back again so yeah fuck it minus four let's get it fuck the falcons saints are one of our bets shake the piggy bank oh all right um, I, I have one more question about this game. Yep. Hey, you can keep or cut this. What do you think uh, Rashid Shahid for the Saints 
Because I've seen, I like the flashes I've seen from him. He's given me, he's given me good vibes. I think the same thing. He's got a lot of that. Uh, what's he? Get, he get, Hardy. No, Hardy, Hardy. I say, I think in the same thing. He's giving me Hardy vibes. He's giving me big Deon, uh, Deontay Hardy vibes. He's awesome after the catch. He's really quick. He's fast. I don't know if he's a wide receiver. Like I don't know if he can play the position in a polished fashion. But when he gets the ball in his hands. It's fantastic. And if you're playing yep. off cover, John, throw him smoke screens. Throw him fucking RPOs. Yep. Get him in a fucking ball. Yeah, no. Run, I, I think run a drag run. route with him. Yeah. I, I think this game yeah. lines up perfectly for the Saints. And God, wouldn't it be fucking funny if they snuck into the playoffs over the Bucs? It, it would be funny. Brady can't just retire like that. I just want whatever, whatever the rest of the season, I just want to maximize the possibilities of Brady not retiring. That's it. That's it for me. I, I agree. God, so I live such a miserable life. I would let him go to San Francisco. I, I, I'm with you so hard. I would let him go to my second least favorite team in professional sports, um, only to the Packers. My hatred of San Francisco yeah. runs deep, and it has a lot to do with not football. Um, next game, uh, Stalin is from San Francisco. I know. Uh, currently in San Francisco. So we hate San Francisco. Uh, next game, Dallas Cowboys at Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars are catching four. Dude, this game is kind of interesting. I don't want to bet it. It's too interesting. But I never would have guessed this game. This game is way too interesting to bet. Yeah, no, and four is a terrible line. Like, I almost want to take Jacksonville, but they're so fuckery prone. Way too fuckery prone. Way Trevor, too fuckery prone. Trevor Lawrence has been awesome lately. Like, the last month. Him and, him and Justin Herbert at the exact same time were like, oh, yeah, I, I forgot. We're awesome. And they've been awesome. Um, and then Dak Prescott yeah. has sucked kind of all year. Like, so many pickable balls. Mm-hmm. So everything I just said means I should absolutely take Jaguars plus four, but that defense I don't trust, and Kellen Moore I do trust. It's 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 funny because I think this line is Cowboys minus four, and yet we have such short memories, and it might just be Vegas kind of playing on our desire for the Jags to make the playoffs a little bit. Yeah. Because the Jags, there is a scenario where the Jags make the playoffs and it is not even close to inconceivable. It is very, very conceivable. They can, you can see them beating the Cowboys this week. You can see the Titans losing to the Chargers this week. At that point, all it takes is the Jaguars beating the Titans again, and they're pretty much cooking. Um, So they're kind of playing on our emotions here a little bit. They're tugging on our heartstrings. They obviously know that we want to see Trevor Lawrence in the playoffs over Ryan Tannehill. And yet... Um, the Jaguars lost 40 to 14 to the Lions, but two weeks ago, yeah, they were dominated. They were absolutely obliterated by the Lions. And you know how they got dominated? Two weeks ago. You know how they got dominated? Tell me. Line play. And it is the number one most underrated thing in the NFL this year. The Lions are really good on both on both lines, offense and defense. Yeah. Cowboys are pretty Cowboys are good on both lines. Pretty good. Pretty good on both lines. And I could see that happening again you know the cowboys also this isn't this doesn't have the feel of another trap game for the cowboys like last week last week the cowboys almost lost the texans 
Yeah, and they're not. Gonna that was. Play, they're not going to lay two duds in a row. That was their trap game. That was their like, oh shit, we got to wake up. You got to like, look, we got to wake up game. That was their wake up call. That's not going to happen again. Um, four points is such a weird line. I hate betting against a player as special as Trevor Lawrence because I think Trevor Lawrence is special. I think he's a special talent. I think there are four quarterbacks I'd rather start a team with, like a franchise with right now over Trevor Lawrence. And those quarterbacks are, you know, Mahomes, Herbert, Allen, Burrow, and Burrow is arguable. So that's... Herbert, Herbert, I thought he would be good, not quite great. And he started off the season very inconsistent. But yeah, dude, the last month has just been like incredible. Lawrence, you mean? Yeah. Or sorry. I mean, pretty similar arc with Burrow, just to lesser extents. Like Lawrence, over the last, if you just, if you woke up a month ago from a long coma, Trevor Lawrence is a top two, three quarterback in the NFL. Just, just for the last three, four weeks. Like he's been so good. Um, but yeah, no, you're, I think you're right. I, I don't think it matters. I think he has a bad offensive line. I think he has a terrible defense. I think he has one receiver worth a damn, and I think they need work on the outside. I can't. It's sad it. because I. Re- it's so sad because I really want. I really want the Jaguars to win this game. For what? it's what? no, it's no Bucks interest here. It's no nothing. Like I just, it's more fun. It's more fun if the Jaguars win this game. Everything is more fun, but I don't see it happening. Yeah. No, I, if I told you, if I told you that I just got back from Monday morning and the Cowboys won by 25 points, you'd be like, well, the Lions did too. I get it. Yeah. And if I, if you told me that Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott combined for 250 rushing yards, be like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, dude, DeAndre Swift and Aaron Jones did, or not Aaron Jones, uh, the other one, Jamal Williams. So Jamal Williams. yeah, no, they're going to fucking come up. I like part of me wants to bet the Cowboys, but I just can't. I'm, I'm not touching the game. And, uh, We've already got three bets. We're okay. We're okay. We're not even on the late slate. All right. Uh, sure. Next game. Next game. The Detroit Lions are going to take on New York Jets in New Jersey, and Vegas says, go ahead and fucking take your pick. No line. This game is incredible. This Who is such a fun game. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? It's so fun. It's so fun, man. I actually, I, I have a, I have a take. I, I think I have a pick. Really? Yeah. Hit me. Okay, so it's a little prisoner of the momenty. What I think the Lions are going to roll simply because of their offense. Really? Simply because of their offense. Okay. So first okay. of all, Mike White's banged up. He'll play, but he won't be the full Mike White. And Mike White is still also. Mike. It's so funny. It's so funny you just said that. He won't be the full Mike White. I mean, that's kind of my. That's a, part, that's a large part of my handicap. It's like this guy might be okay, but not this week because he's hurt. Sure. Additionally, yeah. Joe Flacco is not. He's not going to dress. So it's Zach Wilson. And if Zach Wilson plays, we win. Uh, the the lion's share of my handicap though is just I fucking love Ben Johnson so goddamn much. The Lions' offensive coordinator. Uh, shout out to Restore the Roar on Twitter. He tipped me off at the beginning of the season. He's like, dude, this guy's a mathematician. He's a genius. He turned down a big job at a hedge fund on Wall Street to go be an offensive coordinator. He's like 31 and he's already calling plays. He's a genius. Look out for him. And I was like, okay, buddy. Sure. It's the Lions. Come on. Probably biting kneecaps. No, it's a fucking bona fide genius. And the shit that they do on offense is not only super efficient, but it's totally unlike every other. It's not Shanahan shit. It's not Arian nope. shit. It's not Reed. It's just Ben Johnson sitting down with a fucking notepad and drawing up some really clever, innovative, critical thinking play. And the, the Jets do have a good defense. 
but it's a base cover three, which means a creative offensive coordinator can do whatever the fuck they want to them because you know where everybody's going to be on every play and you know what they're going to be running. It's just going to be, it's the same thing as that Legion of Boom defense. Yes, it's great. But if you find a creative offense that can hold up on the offensive line, you can dice it. And the Lions have second best offensive line in the NFL and they will dice it. Best, second best, third best, call it whatever you want. They have that. It's the, it's going to hold right up. up there. Yeah. Yeah, it's look, but it's a it's a battle of strength versus strength, right? That Jets front is also as good as it fucking gets. This is for the football nerds, the people that just fucking love line play, the people that, you know, watch porn and jerk their dicks to line play, the Brandon Thorns of the world. Oh, no yeah. offense. But th- Brandon Thorne is gonna watch this game five fucking times just for fun next week well especially the way that both defensive lines win is with technical skill too it's not they don't have a miles Garrett. they're just playing football really well yeah and i the one thing just the one thing that makes me worry a little bit about this game for the lions is just i get it it's a little narrative-y that cold weather golf Eh, cold weather golf scares me cold weather golf scares me cold weather golf scares me golf versus pressure that's a little scary the jets are line offensive line is great it's fantastic but you really think the jets front is going to get a little pressure on him i think sal is good enough to scheme a few pressures on him golf versus pressure is horrific yeah he you look up on the 33rd team i actually i had to write an article on golf um uh this morning and the numbers against pressure for Goff are still, they're bad. They're still really bad. The efficiency stats for Goff over the past, you know, in the Lions five and one stretch, he's been the most efficient quarterback in the NFL. And that is essentially a signal of like the Lions passing offense has been the most efficient passing offense in the NFL. Uh, so take that for what it's worth. His PFF grade is still, he's 67 PFF grade. That's 23rd among quarterbacks. So you know, like I said, take his efficiency stats for what they're worth. That just means that Lions passing offense is really good. Ben Johnson, really good. But Goff against pressure really, really struggles. The Jets gonna get pressure. Goff in the cold, not the dome. I think it's his first game in the cold this year. How is he going to fare? Well, we'll see. But if I had to make a pick here, and I'm not 100% sure I would, I'd, I'd Probably take the Lions for the reasons you outlined. The Jets are coming in. They're banged up. Quinton Williams got hurt last week. That's a big factor, too. Um, Mike White, he got hurt last week. And I just, I don't, I don't trust it with, um, with the jet, with the banged up jets. I don't, and I trust it with Ben Johnson. I, it's what you said, Ben Johnson, we're going to sit here in five years and we're going to talk about Ben Johnson, the way we talk about McVay and the way we talk about Shanahan. Dude, I've I've advocated already this year. If the lions know what's good for him, I'm sorry, Dan Campbell. Fire Dan Campbell. You're fired tomorrow. And Ben Johnson's promoted. Yeah. Like I, you know, talk with Restore the Roar about this all the time. He's like, if we can get Ben Johnson to stay for one or two more years, we can go out and get our quarterback to upgrade from golf. We could be fucking ins- like we can make a Super Bowl run. And I'm like, yeah. And if Kyle Shanahan could have held on to Mike McDaniel for another four years until he gets Tom Brady, maybe. Who knows? Whatever. But the point is, everybody. There's going to be probably three to five head coaching vacancies this summer, like always. And Ben Johnson should be the number one candidate. Yeah. Like, uh, dude, who? You there? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. It looked like you froze. (laughs) Uh, Who? (laughs) Who cares? 
who fucking cares about having a head coach who's um, a culture builder, a CEO type, uh, whatever. Get your genius. Get your Shanahan. Get your McVay. Get your LaFleur. That's not even to say that culture and team building and all that stuff. Maybe it's very important. I don't personally believe it's that important. It, I good players are self-starters. But maybe it's really important. There's a lot of dudes that you can hire to be your offensive coordinator in name only or your defensive coordinator or your assistant head coach who know that shit in and out and nobody else is trying to hire them to be a head coach. If you find a good play-calling offensive coach, you need to make them – you need to give them immunity. You have to make sure you never lose them. And the only way to do that is make them head coach. Yes, yes. Everything else can like, be replaced. It, the funny thing, I was thinking about this because I, I – wanted to originally write about this for for this week and i was you know told oh you should write about golf and whether or not the line should draft a quarterback so that's what i wrote about um but my original like my favorite idea was to write about how the lions should promote ben johnson and potentially fire dan campbell and when i was thinking about it i was thinking you know is there precedent for this there precedent for a team just saying you know we're gonna fire essentially our head coach and promote a coordinator the funny thing is there is kind of the the cowboys did it with jason garrett yep and jason garrett wasn't a genius well, Jason they Garrett did, was they a, did think he was. Yeah. Jason Garrett was a bozo. Yeah. So but the point is there's precedent. And then there's precedent in another sport. The Bulls did it with Phil Jackson. Like, <laughs> I'm serious. How did that work out? I think that worked out pretty well. So like the, my point is when you have that guy, just keep him. If you think you have a genius on your staff, like don't lose him. Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell was a tight ends coach. He's a great culture guy. He's this, that. He's rah, rah. He's Dan Campbell is Jeff Saturday. That is what Dan Campbell is. If you there are it. so many Jeff Saturdays. There were not that many Ben Johnsons in the NFL. There were not that many dudes who could work as like who could have seven figure jobs on Wall Street just hanging around the NFL designing plays. No, make that dude your head coach. Well, to that point, like let's say theoretically, and we have gotten on such a tangent, but I love it. Let's say you fire Dan Campbell tomorrow. He's a free agent this summer. Are you sure? Would you bet a month's rent that he gets a head coaching job immediately in the NFL? I I wouldn't. I would lean he doesn't. I would lean that you could bring him back as your tight ends coach that same fucking year because nobody wants him as a head coach. And he can't call plays. Funny thing is, I bet we we discussed this uh, a few months, few months ago where owners interview head coaches and owners look for their PE teacher. Yeah. They look for their PE coach and head coaches because they're clueless. They look for for the coach from uh, Remember the Titans. Yeah, they look for the coach from Remember the Titans. They look for their PE coach they had when they were in high school. They don't look for genius. They don't look for the smart dude. They They look for the dude that wants to bite kneecaps. So I think that some owner would probably hire Dan Campbell, especially because he could go in and say, like, I led this turnaround in Detroit and I did this and I did that and this is on my resume. So I think he probably gets a head coaching job. Does he necessarily deserve one? Probably not. But I think Dan Campbell could probably come in and hire a pretty good staff and everything because he seems to be generally well-liked. And that's fine. I think Dan Campbell has very good qualities to be a head coach. And I tend to think culture matters. But I don't think that Ben Johnson being a genius and being this like mastermind is mutually exclusive with having a good culture, right? I think that like the Packers probably have a very good culture. 
and it's been poisoned by the fucking quarterback who's a diva and, and a bitch. I was gonna say I a think, diva's a really uh, kind way of putting it. A bitch. He's a bitch. Yeah. I think that the uh I think the Rams have a very good culture. Yeah, ask all the players what they think of McVay. All the players seem to love McVay. The 49ers seem to have a very good culture. Look at how they handled the Jimmy G thing. They seem to work out very well for them. So all of these offensive geniuses, I don't know, man. Their players seem to go to bat for them. And things just tend to work out when you have a really good coach. I just think that having a really good coach is the most important thing. And Ben Johnson seems to be a really good coach. And he's turned Jared Goff into, like, by EPA EPA uh, per dropback, he is, if you look over the past six games for the Lions, he is by far, by far, number one in the league where, to where the gap in EPA per dropback for the Lions, the gap between number one and number two is the same between like number two and number 12 or something like that. It's it's something ridiculous. And that's Ben Johnson. That's all Ben Johnson. All Ben Johnson. Like, you're kidding yourself. Not Jared Goff. Goff. <laughs> it is absolutely not Jared Goff. I tried to say that in the kindest way possible today in, my, in what I wrote, but I digress. All right, we've beaten this one in the ground, but it's going to be a good game, so I'm glad we spent time on it. Next game, moving on, the Kansas City Chiefs are two touchdown favorites going to play the Houston Texans. I don't want to talk about this game, do you? I don't. Uh, they could make the line a billion points, and I'd probably pick Kansas City if I had a gun to my head, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't bet it if I had a choice. Yeah, no. The, the so I'm just okay. not going to bet it if I have a choice. So I'm not going to bet it now. There's, there's 11 to 16 games every week, and we only have to pick five. This is not going to be one of them. So the next game on the card, which is similarly stinky, but at least competitive. Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes are very good, though. They are good. To say that. They are very good. And Lovey Smith is very not, and Jeff Driscoll is very not, and Davis Mills seems to be not. Um, Unfortunately. The final game of the early slate on Sunday will be the Pittsburgh Steelers catching three, going to Carolina to face off with Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers. Do you have a take? Oh, man. The Panthers, by DVOA over the past five weeks, have the third best defense in the NFL. Their defense is undeniably legit. And Steve Wilkes is entirely to blame for that. He's been excellent since taking over as defensive play caller. He, he wasn't even the defensive play caller when Matt Rule was there. So he's it's, really... It's a turnaround that I did not see coming, but that in studying this team earlier on in the season, you could see the talent that they had. Yeah, you could see like, they had their Derek Browns of the world and their Brian Burnses and their JC Horns. You could see a ball. They, they, could, they could see they had a lot of young talent on that defense. Yep. So the pieces were kind of there, and now they're coming together kind of just right at the right time to and, make and a not, bizarro... They're, they're avoiding all the stupid mistakes and penalties that plagued the first half there, on defense, at least. Right. It, it's sound and, and, and they're Right. And they're making this bizarro playoff run. <laughs> it's... It, it, I don't really know what to think of them. And, and now they're going to play this Steelers team that is, are they going to be able to move the ball? They're they, they're going to roll out Mitchell Trubisky mm-hmm. and, or Kenny Pickett. I don't, is, Pickett is Kenny Pickett going to play? No, it's going to be true. So it's, it's going to be true. And he's going to try to move the ball with that dog shit offensive line against this, like suddenly 
at the very least legit, possibly very, very good defense. I have a hard time seeing the Steelers finding any kind of success offensively. Uh, um, Najee Harris is hurt and Kenny Pickett is concussed and Pat Fryermuth is banged up. But Fryermuth, yeah, Fryermuth, we're looking at it here, didn't practice on Wednesday when they were recording. Pickett was limited with his concussion. So we'll see where he is in the protocol. And Najee didn't practice. So that's bad. That's, <laughs> that's really bad. bad. They're going to have uh, Deontay, George Pickens, and not much else offensively, it looks like. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't really good like defense. the Steelers' chances against a really, really good defense, man. Um, May I interest you on the other side, though? Because here's the issue. The Steelers are catching three, and I don't think that the Panthers move the ball on the Steelers either, like at all. And that is the problem. Like, like I, I, I've been grading Sam Donald's games for posterity because they sucked with Baker Mayfield. They were okay-ish with P.J. Walker against bad teams, and now all of a sudden they're winning with Sam Donald. So I was like, what the fuck's that? Is Sam Donald breaking out? No, it turns out they're not using it. They're just running the ball almost exclusively. Like last week against Seattle, Sam Donald had 23 dropbacks, two of which were runs. Sorry, three of which were runs and four of which were throwaways. So the guy really actually passed the ball. Like fucking, we'll do some easy math. 13 plus seven. 20 times he passed the ball. And it wasn't good. But they (laughs) ran the ball very efficiently against Seattle. Granted, which we've already discussed, they can't stop the run. They can't stop the run. The Steelers are a little different. Cam Hayward, very, very, very good. Larry Ogunjobi, good. Montrevious Adams, I don't know why he's not great. Uh, Montrevious Adams at Auburn was so fucking good at playing nose tackle, and then he got to the NFL, and he can't play nose tackle. I don't get it. He's just soft. Is he just soft? Is that his thing? Probably. I mean, you see that a lot. Like, remember Lewis Nix out of Notre Dame? He's supposed to be the next Vince Wilfork, and he just yeah. didn't play? Yeah. Like, not even like, oh, he wasn't so good, but like, could not play football on the NFL football. Don't know yeah. why. Yeah, but I remember happens, him. Happens a lot with nose tackles. I don't know. Montrevious Adams. Montrevious Adams is a freak. He's a really great athlete. Very gifted. Fucking 6'4", 300. 300 is probably an understatement. And he runs a 4 Yeah. Like, he should be special. He's not. Whatever. Regardless, you still got Cam Hayward. You still got Larry Ogunjobi. You got Alex Highsmith, who's really blossomed this year. You got TJ Watt, who's still TJ Watt. And then say what you will. He's hurt. He's TJ Watt. I'll, I'll say this about TJ Watt. He was kind of laboring in that Ravens game. Well, he's not on the um, injury report somehow. He's, he's not on the injury report, but he. It, I read a bunch of things where he was. He was no. He was kind of limping around out there, and and he just didn't look like himself in the Ravens game. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on. But you're right. This is undoubtedly from in terms of the front they're playing. It's night. It's a night and day difference with uh, the Seattle front and the the Pittsburgh front. It's. And say what you will about Miles Jack and Devin Bush, who are not great linebackers. They're both still good against the run. They're both still athletic and can tack. So sure. I'll let them range around against this bad Panthers offensive line. I know that people have been talking in the last couple months about how Iki Aquanu's really come on. No, he's still the worst offensive tackle I've ever seen. He, does, he literally <laughs> doesn't know what he's doing most of the time. And I don't care if he's in pass pro or run blocking. He's a terrible football player. Uh, and he's so you, have- you've watched him a lot more. You've watched him obviously a lot more than me because you watch each and every one of them. You're a masochist. You're, I don't know why you do this to yourself. It's you watch every one of these, this team's games. Yeah. Um, so with Kwanu, uh, 
he's still bad. He's still terrible. I think he had two false starts last week against Seattle, and I counted three plays where he didn't just get the doors blown off of him at the line of scrimmage. He, like, didn't – like, he got into his pass set and was like, oh, shit, now I have to figure out who I'm blocking. And then he looked at two different dudes and didn't move while one of them ran behind him. Like, okay. And, again, this is Seattle. These are not good pass rush. He's – Right. Like, I'm not joking, and it's not that maybe he won't – he could be good one day. He's a great athlete. He literally yeah. needs to not be on an NFL football field right now because it's way too much for his brain. Like it's, It might it's, just be – other other people have said there have been more flashes with him. Sure, so maybe – I don't want offensive linemen flashing. Right, yeah. Like, I just there, want the negatives, the negatives significantly outweigh the positives with an offensive lineman. Yeah, it's All like a goalie. It's always. like a goalie. I don't want my goalie to make – Exactly. Saves as much as I just want him to not let dribblers through his legs. Right, right. Um, so it's still a bad line. I will say, I, I will say the the rest of the line. I like Corbett and I like Moton. Corbett. I like I like Bozen Moton or Bozen. Moton makes mistakes, but he's good. Like he's a he's a starting offensive lineman. He's very similar to Donovan Smith, actually. Very similar. Um, Don't say that. I think so. Donovan, not not this year's Donovan Smith. No, just like the Donovan Smith of the Brady era, generalized. Okay. So like a solid tackle that belongs starting, but makes really dumb mistakes. Yeah. Well, twenty. 2022 Donovan Smith Just is one of the worst tackles of the of the Brady era. Yeah. He's been it's not it's not that he's been a turnstile, but turnstile he has, the only the only reason that he hasn't been a turnstile is because he holds more than any tackle in the league. Oh yeah. And and they let Don, a lot Donovan Smith. Through. Yeah, he's he's don't get me started. Oh my god. Regardless, regardless. Yeah, this is going to be a slugfest. This is going to be a slugfest. The the Panthers cannot – it's going to be a, a real struggle for them to move the ball. I, I can see – take the under. If you're going to bet – if you're going to if you're gonna make a bet on this game, take the under. Guess what um, the under is. It's Guess probably 27 and a half. 37 and a half. 37 and a half? 37. Okay, I said 27, so take the under. I've never seen anything – I mean, like, you rarely see anything under the 40s these days. 37 and a half. I mean, there's only one game lower than it all week. Wow. It's the next game. Wow. Uh, I don't think Eesh. we're going to talk about this game very long. Let's do the next game real quick. Um, the Arizona Cardinals and maybe Colt McCoy are going to Denver to take on the Denver Broncos and maybe Russell Wilson? And the Broncos are laying th- – This is a disgusting game. I don't want to talk about it for much. No, I don't It's either. a toss-up. It's a toss-up. Probably lean Denver just because their defense is still elite. But if there's a case for Arizona, it's that neither you nor I like Kyler. And if you listen to the Bill Simmons podcast or generally are aware of this theory, you know what I'm about to say. There's Ewing theory potential here. Major Ewing theory potential. With Kyler Murray. You know what what the Ewing theory is? No. So Patrick Ewing. You know Patrick Ewing is? Yes. So Patrick Ewing, whenever he got hurt, the Knicks seemed to play better without him. And that kind of culminated in a a run to the, I believe it was the NBA finals, not the conference finals, uh, without him in the late 90s. I was going to say, isn't that 90? I believe it was 1999, 99, 98. Yeah, 98. 98, 98 or 99. Um, 
I think they made the finals or they made the conference finals. So that I was literally, I was born in December of 99. So tough, but the Knicks made the finals or the conference finals without Ewing and Simmons coined the Ewing theory because it seemed that every time that Ewing got hurt or every time the Knicks played without Ewing, they seemed they just seemed to play better. They seemed to play a more free flowing style of basketball. His teammates seemed happier. Ewing was kind of known as a dick. And well, I, I can tell you for a fact that Kyler Murray's not <laughs> Kyler Murray's a dick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, the, I, I've said it a billion times, but the exact quote that I got when I asked somebody on the team last year what they think of Kyler Murray, and I quote, he's the fucking worst, end quote. That's <laughs> not what you want one of your wide receivers to say about it. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But I digress. Yeah, I don't I don't want to bet on this game. I don't cause I, I worry that even though they might not like Kyler Murray, the fact that they lost and their playoff hopes are effectively gone and they now know that they won't have Kyler for most of next year, probably. And their GM just took a fucking leave of absence probably to go to rehab and their coach is on the hottest of seats, it feels like the Cardinals could absolutely just throw their fucking hands up and say, dude, I'm getting a paycheck, and I'm going home. Yeah. I, like, I wouldn't yeah, it's a pretty it. good spot for Denver. It's a pretty it's good great, spot for Denver. Great spot for Denver, and God forbid Russ doesn't play. All those Denver players have a newfound motivation because they're like, oh, my God, the corny asshole's not here. Fuck this dude. Fuck this dude. And it's Russ Ewing theory. At that point, it's a double Ewing theory game. Yeah. Who has a stronger <laughs> Ewing theory? Except the Broncos have been very comfortable with the fact that they're not making the playoffs for a long time. And they're all just playing for their next contract. Whereas the, the Cardinals just learn. Like, it's one thing when you've been yeah. single. If you're single and you're not getting any, and it's been that way for like a few months, like whatever. But if you just got dumped, you feel it way worse. That's The Cardinals may have just gotten dumped. All right, we spent way too yeah. much time on that shitty game. I love this Absolutely. next game. I love this next game, and you are going to be someone that he's – it's going to be really fun to talk with you about the next two games. But we're starting off with your first love, the New England Patriots, laying one – I love this game. I love this game. Going to the Las Vegas Raiders. What is your take? Rarely do we get such an opportunity, my friend, because I love the Raiders in this game. I do too. I fucking love the Raiders. The Raiders are good. The Raiders yes. are good. They're a good They're football good. team. They're really well coached. They're and good. The is good, and they might get, as of today, they might get Renfro and Waller back for this game. And Waller. And, and Waller. When Waller the, plays the football, metrics. He, when, when he plays, he's the best tight end in football. I don't know. Kelsey's really good. It doesn't much. Uh, uh, yeah, Kelsey. Kelsey. Kelsey, I was a Kittle true believer for the longest time as the best set end in football. But man, Kelsey this year has just been on a war path. And I'm at this point, I just throw my hands up and I say, God damn it, Kelsey. Yeah, but Kelsey. It's, it's true. Yeah, he, he's unbelievable. But the the metrics, the, the advanced metrics just scream that the Raiders are a very good offensive football team. The Patriots are actually a, a pretty good defensive football team, which yeah, is very pretty sad. surprising. Very it's pretty surprising because the defensive personnel isn't like great. You know, you look at their linebackers and it's like Jawan Bentley and Jelani Tavai, fucking Mac Wilson and Raekwon McMillan. So, you know, you wouldn't think that this is the, the best of the best in terms of defensive football, but goddamn, they're a pretty good defensive football team. And at the same time, man, the Raiders are just are more talented. And I'll say this, the Raiders took it to the Patriots 
in training camp. They had joint practices and you can go back and you can read everything from August. It was a bloodbath when these two teams played in joint practices. It wasn't even close. Um, you could see everything. Greg, it has prompted Greg Bedard to say, like, this might be the worst Patriots team I've ever covered. I have a very hard time seeing this iteration of the Patriots winning two straight games. They're probably going to be off a high coming off their their win last week. Their win last week was fraudulent. They, you know, they won off. One big play to Hunter Henry on a seam, and they want off a fumble recovery from Hopkins. I don't think that the final score was absolutely misleading, yep. but the win in and of itself was iffy, let's just say. They didn't look very impressive. Until the Hopkins fumble on the live line, the Cardinals were favored despite starting Colt McCoy mid-game. That like it was it was pretty not even mid-game. It was three, it was three plays into the game. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, like, yeah, it's true. But, like, I think yeah. it was late third quarter. It was 13-13. The minute before, the second before the snap in which Nuke fumbled, the Cardinals were favored by two points. Right. Like, right. that's all you need to know. And I'll just ask you this. If not for Baker's miracle on on Thursday night, what is this line? Oh, God. So, I think this line should be Raiders minus three. I think that— And if not for Baker's miracle, it's probably Raiders— Minus three. If not for Baker, the Raiders are coming off minus one and a half, minus maybe one. No, it might be minus two. I don't think it would have gotten. Yeah. I would have still bet this game, but yeah, no. Literally, when we recorded the pod last week, Alex and I were watching the Thursday night game because we didn't think Baker was going to play, so we were going to record during the game because we thought it would suck. And then we we stopped. We finished the pod just in time for the fourth quarter. And when we finished the pod, the Raiders were up thirteen, and we I was telling him I was like, dude, the Raiders are about to be what? Is it six wins? Yeah, I was like six and seven. The Raiders are going to be six and seven in a couple minutes. They're going to be basically tied. Riding a four-game win streak. Yep. They're going to be tied with all those teams that are in the middle of the pack looking for the wild card spot. They're going to be right there with the Chargers. And this is a team that they're 6-7, and seven, and they've blown four 17-point leads already this year. So their bad luck is behind them. Yeah. This team should be like an 8-5 team. Well, then yep. Baker Mayfield pulls off some fucking incredible bullshit, and now they're a 5-8 and eight team. But that doesn't change the team. And they still haven't given up on the season. They're in the hunts. Absolutely not. They're technically in no, the No, they haven't given up on the season. The team seems to really actually like Josh McDaniels, which is surprising to me, but it seems to be the fact. Yeah. And frankly, I just... Josh Jacobs. Oh, Planning for his next contract. Yeah, no, it's exactly... Planning for his next contract still. And Max Crosby is probably the best defensive player in the NFL for my money. Like, and last week in primetime, he got held approximately 11 times. So he's going to get those Good luck with Max Crosby on Trent Brown, who probably weighs 390 pounds at this point, and Connor McDermott. Connor McDermott is, I don't even know. Connor McDermott, good lord. Um, Cole Strange. You got some great PFS stats, Cole Strange. Really working out. Um, Cole Strange is the 69th ranked guard on Pro Football Focus. That's fantastic. Michael Unwenu is the beacon of hope for the Patriots. He's been phenomenal his entire career. He's been great. I thought Andrews was banged up. Andrews Andrews is fine. He he played last week and he's he's fine. But regardless, I mean the Patriots can't cover number one receivers for shit, especially when they have supporting pieces, which it seems like the Raiders are going to have. The Raiders also have a really good run game. I. 
I just really like the Raiders. And we haven't even talked about the Patriots offense, which is addicted to the screen game yeah. when it faces bad pass rushes, not yeah. to mention when they they face Max Crosby and good Lord, they probably still think Chandler Jones is like prime Chandler Jones. Yeah, Matt Patricia, you, know, you, you, don't, you don't think Matt Patricia thinks that Chandler Jones is like Chandler Jones circa 2017? He absolutely does. You're absolutely game planning as if he's an elite defensive. Yeah. So this there's no way Devontae this game Parker's the, play, right? Devontae Parker's not gonna play. No. no, there's no way. So it's gonna be Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar. I feel confident. Jacoby Myers is still banged up. We're we're not sure if he plays. Ramondre Stevenson might not play. It, like it legitimately might be Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris at running back for the Patriots too. We haven't mentioned that. Okay, so uh, and then which means Marcus Jones is gonna get five swing passes, and you just have to. That's also that, true. You just have to hope that the Raiders can chase and tackle. And I feel much more comfortable with the Raiders chasing and tackling than I do with them covering deep down the field. So, fine. Yes. And frankly, Max um, Crosby is going to knock down two or three of those screen passes as well. He just is so good at it. Yeah. You know, I love the I Raiders. like the Raiders here. I think it's, I think it's probably, I like I like the Raiders here. Is it our best bet of the week? It's, I think it's mine. I think it's my favorite. Um, I I have a different one in mind and it's okay. probably the next game we're going to talk about. Okay. I think I know what you but, mean. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, our next game is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals going to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. The Bengals are laying three and a half on the road. Take it away. I'm so sad. Like, I am I am very sad. I want to preface my comments about this game by saying I'm just very sad. And I'm almost too sad to give too many thoughts about this game. But I just want to say and lead with this. Tampa Bay's coaching staff has been undoubtedly the worst in the NFL this year. Is it the worst you've ever seen? They, um, well, it's it's definitely the worst I've seen in a team I'm invested in. And I, I, I don't know if it's the worst I've ever seen ever, just because I'm very heavily skewed towards this team. And, you know, I don't follow other teams as closely as I follow this team, but... God damn it. It has to be up there. This It's just malpractice what they've done. I can predict most plays offensively before they call them. And defensively, defensively, it's not as bad. But they run out players that shouldn't even be on the field defensively. Yep. Like Logan Hall still playing is a travesty. Joe Tryon playing over Nassib and, and um, other white guy, uh, Nelson, is ridiculous. The, the fact that they still have it, it, Nelson playing fucking outside linebacker when he absolutely should be a five tech. He's a defensive tackle. He should be well, he's he's better. Out. He's a better outside linebacker. He's a better outside linebacker than Tryon. Correct. Which is undoubtedly so, Tryon should be yeah. a safety. Um, Genard Avery is also a better outside linebacker than Tryon. Tryon is useless as an outside linebacker. But in any case, this team is just a pathetic watch week in and week out, and. Now, for some for some reason, Vegas gives them inordinate amounts of respect. And I think it's probably because they're a public team. It's probably because Brady's a public quarterback. That is the only rational explanation I can think of. I mean, the motherfuckers have Josh Wells playing right tackle. Josh Wells has to be the worst tackle I've ever seen in my entire life. He is an actual, he plays the game like he's on roller skates. He is a turnstile. Um, Sam Hubbard is going to have a 
field day with him. And if it's Trey Hendrickson, he is going to have a field day with him. To the point, I don't want Brady to I, his own help. I, I want Brady to take the rest of the year off and focus on his free agency. I'm saying the Panthers should be hoping that he takes the rest of the year off because it's only going to get worse. Oh, yeah. But seriously, now this matchup against the Bengals is – look, and I get it. The, the Bucks are still – they're in first place in their division, so on and so forth. But – how are they only we're being real if we're if we're being real here the bengals i personally think that at this point six teams have separated themselves as being the sort of inner circle of super bowl contenders and those teams are the chiefs the bills the bengals Mm -hmm. the eagles yep you don't think the eagles i think the eagles i don't think the bengals Okay. Um, the Cowboys. I did see it. Dak's going to be a problem, but yeah. And the 49ers. Yeah. So I think it's those six teams. Um, yeah. The Bengals. The Bengals since week five. If you look at their offense since week five, it's been tied with the Chiefs in every sort of efficiency marking in, in the NFL. It's been the best offense in the NFL. They've been incredible. Good luck uh, to the Bucks defense without Jamel Dean, possibly without Vita Vea, possibly with Antoine Winfield. V is not playing. Yeah, Vita's not playing. Um, Dean isn't playing. Dean was definitely going to miss a few weeks. So uh, already know Shaq Barrett. Those are three of their best four defenders, probably. No, three of their best five defenders. You've named all but two of their good players on defense. On defense, yeah. So good luck. Uh, well, the Levante David, yeah. I, I mean, good luck, regardless. Good luck. They will um, try to cover T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. I think T's going to play. So they'll try to cover those guys with Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting, who's going to get hosted in this game. Uh, God forbid Zion McCollum plays a snap on one of those guys. They will, Joe Burrow is going to single him out immediately and toast him. Uh D. Delaney, if he plays a, a snap in the slot, he's going to get singled out and he's going to get toasted. If the Bengals choose to run the ball on the Bucks, they're going to be able to because the Bucks' run defense is entirely dependent on the existence of Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks, as you could see in last week's game against the 49ers. Home field advantage, it, it doesn't matter. Like, it just doesn't. No. I don't know why we're doing this. The the Bucks' home crowd is terrible. They're terrible. They, Especially they quit on they, they hate their team. Yeah. They hate their team. And it's it's glaring every time they play. They fucking hate their team. And I hate their team. Every fuck every Bucks fan, every Brady fan hates their team because their team is terribly coached and they play uninspired football. So of course you hate your team. Like I would go to the game and I would sit there. I would be miserable at a Bucks game right now. The only reason I would go to a Bucks game at this point is if I thought it would be Brady's last. If I, the only Bucks game I would go to is either week 18 if there was a chance it's the last game of the season or the wild card game if there's a chance it's Brady's last game in the NFL. Those are the only two Bucks games I would go to. I don't even think I go to And play. I don't think that Brady's retiring. So I don't I don't think I would go to those games. No, he's going to play in I don't Miami think I would go to those games. They'll be in San, Miami or San Francisco next year and they'll be great. Um yeah. yeah, I I have a really hard time. To, every time I go to bet against the Bucks, something in the back of my head says, 
Dude, come on. All bowls in Lethbridge have to do is call a game slightly better than your local varsity football pillage at the at the nearest high school. And they're a good team. All they have to do is just be not even good, not even average, just like normal levels of bad. But they never are. They've punted from enemy territory every week for a month and a half. Their team it's incredible. It's incredible. Most teams do it like twice a year. I hate Mike Rabel because he did it twice in a game one time. And I can't get over it. They've done it like 11 times this year, mostly when losing. It's so aside from the coaching turnovers, which is just Bulls deciding to basically throw a pick on a random fourth down, because that, that's what it is. It's an 18 yard game. So it's, it's throwing a deep ball and getting it picked off. Um, yep. So aside from the coaching turnovers, you've also got every first down is the exact same halfback dive that my seventh grade middle school football team ran with the exact same blocking scheme every time. No variation, none of that fun motion or wham blocking or nothing. And when they do use motion, they motion the tight end directly to where they're going to run the ball. And he ends up being <laughs> somebody that is an obstacle to the running back because he gets no push. I love when they do that. They're like, yeah. oh, we're creative. We're going to put a guy in the way of our running backs and make sure he loses a yard rather than getting to the line. <laughs> so it's tough to bet against the Bucks because all the talent is there and they should be. The Bucks should be a team that scores 35 points a game and plays good enough defense that they win almost every game 35 to like 27. But yep. because they are coached like back ass words, dog shit, and because affirmative action is the death of merit in America, they will never be average. And if you watch them three times this year, it has hit you in the face like a sack of depressing pricks. So while I don't want to, and it is very hard on me, I agree with you. Cincinnati minus three and a half is going to have to be a bet. To me, to me, it's it's the best bet of the week. It's it, like the only reason that like this Bucks team should be riding a three game losing streak coming out of their bye. Actually, coming out of their bye, they shouldn't have beat the Rams either. So it should be no, because they, they beat the Seahawks. They beat the Seahawks, uh-huh. which was a good win. Like they won that game. They should have. Okay, it should be it should be four or five because they shouldn't have beat the Rams. And also, I think before losing to the Rams, they lost the game too. Dude, it's and bad. it's really bad. It, it, it's it's terrible. It's terrible. They started three and zero, and they're six they, and seven. Two and they started they started two and they started two and zero, oh, and they lost two. Regardless, it's at this point it's irredeemably bad. And meanwhile, the Bengals started zero and two. They've won nine of their past eleven games. Yeah. Like this is a complete mismatch. Look at the trends. This this shouldn't be three and a half points. The home field doesn't matter. The it's it's also a favorable like weather isn't a factor. No. And and how do the Bengals win on offense? Like I'm I'm very low on Burrow relative to the rest of the, the world. How do they win on offense? To the extent that they're unstoppable, it's because they take advantage of almost every broken play downfield. And if you don't get pressure on Joe Burrow, he will stand there forever and look for something fun. And push comes to shove, he's got two dudes he could just put the ball in the air to and they'll come down with the punt. So yeah. you stop them by playing disciplined coverage on the back end and having a good edge. We saw it last week yeah. with Cleveland. Well, the Buccaneers are not disciplined in any way, in any form or facet of the game. And the Buccaneers coaching get, the, the, bear, the Buccaneers get about as much rush as a slaw. So 
Yeah. Yeah. It just everything comes up Bengals. You're right. It's a great bet. And you know, I'll I'll say this about Burrow. He's been um he's been better this year at taking absolutely the check down. He's been he's been better this year at taking the check down. And he's been better this year at not the first two weeks were bad. First two weeks were very bad. But other that they've switched to I think that week five game against the, the Ravens was the first sort of pivot to where they switched to shotgun they've been in shotgun about 80 percent of the time since then and ever since then they have their offense has been unstoppable their running game has been up there with the running games of like the teams that have running quarterbacks which yeah. in this day and age in the nfl is unprecedented to have a running game quarterbacked by essentially a you know he's not a tom brady like statue but in the as close as you get in the pocket, days. but he's as close as you can get these days, right? If unless your name is Mac fucking Jones, I digress. Um, hey, he had a he, seventy-yard touchdown run in the Pro Bowl or something. Oh Lord! And then he gradied yeah, because he's, he's cool. Fucking sick, dude. Mac he's Jones hip. Your, Mac Jones will fuck your girl. No, then, come on. And then she'll wake up and be like, "What happened?" <laughs> oh, anyway, I, I was saying Burrow has been. Burrow's been better at taking the check down. The Bengals' run game has been a lot better, and Burrow's been a lot better about not taking worthless, stupid sacks. Yeah, he's he's just made a ton of progress Clean at up those little way. things, at those little things that were so fucking annoying about him last year. That you know, that people, the casual fan, wouldn't notice, and that just screamed at you like, "Oh, if you if you could just do this, like you'd be you'd be so much better," because you have all these these other things you, know, you might not have the strongest arm but you're accurate as hell and you're smart but you could just you're smart and going through your progressions and whatnot but you're just you take too many sacks and you don't take the check down and you don't mm. And now this year he's doing it, and the Bengals offense is so much better as a result. Biggest thing from Burrow is that last year, I I charted every single snap he took all year. 30 balls that should have been intercepted. That's crazy. Now, you're always going to have more pickable balls than you do actually pick balls, or almost always, just because if defensive backs could catch, they play receive. But he went from worst in the league when it came to throwing interceptable balls to like third best. He's got 10 pickable balls in the 10 games I've graded this year and five came in one game. So he's really wow. cleaned up. He's really cleaned up his decision-making. He's really protecting the ball a lot better. And like, I still don't think he's great, but I've gone from thinking this guy like low-key kind of sucks to this guy is at the very least a serviceable above average quarterback. And that is plenty in a day and age where we have so few professional quarterback yeah and when a lot of the um a lot of the quarterback position is just are you buoyed by your infrastructure and so much of it is just that next game this actually a couple years ago i would have loved this game but now it's just kind of sad Uh, the tennessee titans are traveling to los angeles to play the san diego chargers yes i said san diego san diego again san diego is laying what do you think because i have a take and I'm a little lukewarm, but... I'm, I'm super lukewarm, so please, go ahead. I think I might like a Titans upset here. I, I think I might. Never, I will never uh, poo-poo a Chargers debacle because they are right down there with worst coach teams. And that's kind of the reason I'm leaning this way. Tennessee's well-coached. I mean, we can say what we want about Vrabel. Vrabel just gets his team ready to play every week. Yep, I've come around. And on there's the something team. to be... That there's something to be said about that. He's not the most analytically driven guy at this point. Neither is Brandon Staley. And, um, you know, the the Titans' defense is 
kind of a bizarro antithesis of these super talented defenses that have, you know, no kind of like the Packers, right? That have a bunch of names and are just really like loaded on paper, but don't really have production. The Titans have a bunch of dudes who you wouldn't think outside of like the Jeffrey Simmonses of the world. The dudes who you wouldn't think are great, but we just produce and their defense has been really good this year as a result. Titans are just a, a really sound, well-coached team offensively. They lost Autry, which hurts a lot. Uh, at the same time, I think the, the fact that they're so well-coached defensively, the Chargers are so poorly coached offensively, which the Chargers are in really dire straits on the offensive line at this point outside of Lindsley. And I guess, well, you know, Zion Johnson was a first-round pick. He hasn't been great. And they're in I, I, I don't know why it's it should be. Yeah. I, I really, I just think that the Titans defensively can get after the Chargers a little bit offensively. Yeah. The fact that they can limit them enough is my point. And when you couple that, I, I see the game script where the Titans limit the Chargers offense enough. And then the Titans offense just hammers that horrible Chargers run defense where Derrick Henry just runs for 200 yards. They control the game. They hold the ball for 35 minutes, 36 minutes, and it's old-fashioned Titans win something like, I don't know, 27-23 or something like that. So, so this is actually, I've been doing a lot of videos on Justin Herbert lately. I think he's the best quarterback in the world. I fucking love him. In the last four games I've graded from him, I skipped weeks 12 and 13. I had shit going. In the last four, so I've graded weeks nine through now. All A games. Three of them A plus is one A minus. Wow. Jeremy points A plus performance this past uh, Monday or Sunday night against Miami. Fucking incredible. Anybody who watched saw like he performed excellent. It's unbelievable. How many points did they score against a score bad twenty three points against a bad Miami defense? A bad one. Twenty three points. Uh, the week a couple weeks prior they played Arizona. Not a good defense, and they barely scored. Was it twenty one points? Twenty two. Twenty five. Yeah. They fucking no. They don't move. They don't score. And they they had a safety or something in that game too. I think if if the Chargers are going to score points, Justin Herbert has to be a level of quarterback we have never seen because they do not allow him to attempt chunk plays. It's not even in their repertoire. It's not that they run a guy. They don't even they don't have the common fucking courtesy to run a guy deep to open up their short route. Every fucking play is a running back flat, a tight end flat to the other side. And then everybody going to the line is, or the line again and doing something, whether it be an in, an out, or a curl. And that's it. That is almost every fucking play. And there's no way, like you, there's not enough time in a game. Even if you're perfect, there's not enough time in a game to score 30 points that way. It's just not possible. You take too long to move the ball. Yeah. I think yeah. that the Titans, you know, their offense may be what it is. You know, it's not very good. Their offensive line is okay. It's better as a run blocking line. Their weapons are all consummate-ish. They're all journeymen who you'd like to have as a third wide receiver or uh, Austin Hooper could be. Traylon Burks might be good. Maybe, but I don't even think he's playing. Yeah. Yeah, he he's he he missed practice with a concussion. There are elements to so Traylon Burks tough. games which are exciting and fun. And he could legitimately be a wide receiver two or a low end wide receiver one. Maybe, probably not right now. Definitely not when he's out with a concussion. Definitely not right now. Definitely not right now. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill still has some juice, just enough juice. He's not a great quarterback anymore. He's not a very good quarterback anymore, but he's still above average. And again, in this NFL, that is plenty. And Derrick Henry is still really good. 
And like you said, this Chargers defense, by design, they cannot stop the run. Like it is their intention to not even try. And they won't. They won't. Justin Herbert is the best quarterback in the NFL, but even Tom Brady rarely put together like five or six A-plus games in a row. I simply don't think it's possible. He has to have a letdown against a very disciplined defense that the Titans want you to throw it short so they can come up and tackle. Because that's what they do a lot better than their cover skill, right? They've got really good safeties. They got smart linebackers. They got a good defensive interior. They want you to run the ball and they want you to throw it short. And that's exactly what the Chargers are going to do. It plays into what the Titans want. I totally agree with you. No, it's classic. It's a classic Belichick type defense where just keep it in front. They, they're disciplined. They're they want to keep it in front of them. They'll rally. They'll tackle. They'll tackle well. They won't get much after the catch. Herbert might be awesome based on what he's been doing. He probably will be, but yeah, we just got done talking it's, about how it's just going to be tough. We just got done talking about how bad coaching can cripple even the great Tom Brady, even with great wide receivers. It's no different here. And I, yeah. we'll make it our sixth bet. We'll make it a bonus bet. Tennessee plus three over San Diego. You're getting the three. Yeah. It's probably going to be a close game because it always is with both of these teams. Yeah. Lock it in. That's the bonus. And we can do, we could do, we could do a little underdog parlay recommendation there too. We want to steal <laughs> from who knows, right? We, we do have quite a few. We have underdogs. another dog there, right? We've got Oakland's technically an underdog. We got Baltimore, who's an underdog, especially if Huntley doesn't play. Right. We, got, we could do Baltimore and we're either laying four or taking underdogs all week. Just the grossest plays, which is typically how you know you're on the right track. There but we go. We've got two more games to do before we're done with this slate. Sunday night football. I don't think I'm betting either. Oh, no. Well, I'll probably bet one. Sunday night football, eh. the New York Giants are traveling down to Ral John, Maryland to play the Washington Redskins. You heard me. Redskins are laying four and a half. Ew. Just ew. This is disgusting. Gross. This is seven and nine football to the hill. Disgusting. I guess I'll take Washington. Washington has a full offensive arsenal. The Giants have a banged up Saquon Barkley. They're one, four, and one in their past six games. Hasn't even been impressive for the last month? He's been hurt. Kinda. He's. I don't know. He's the only thing that I think teams have kind of caught on that he's the only thing that that team has. Yeah. Oh boy, is he. And they've kind of gone, they've gone Belichick on him. Like, good luck beating us with Richie James. What's really sad is that if they would have just held on to Kadarius Toney, him and Darius Slayton are like a very legitimate wide receiver. And Wondell Robinson in the slot. And then you got Saquon in the backfield and all of a sudden you have good weapons. Now your offensive line still sucks aside from one player. And your quarterback is still Daniel Jones, who should not come back, but will. But yeah, no, it's it's rough. It looks like the Redskins are going to have uh, Chase Young back, so they'll have a fierce pass rush, and that's going to be real fun for the Giants to try to handle without any offensive lineman worth a damn. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting with how much Young plays. I assume that Washington is going to try to limit it to like 25 snaps. That's fine. Do the Justin Houston thing. Bring him in when you need him. Or the Melvin yeah. Ingram. Yeah. But yeah, right. Ben Juice is hurt for the Redskins, which is actually a good thing because he's terrible. Yeah. I The Redskins are going to win this game, I think. Like, they're the better side. But I don't want to lay four and a half points with a team that I think stinks. So I don't know what else to say about this game. I wouldn't lay the four and a half either. I That talent discrepancy is... It's just too much to ignore. Like if I had to bet it, I would bet Washington because I don't want to bet a you don't want to bet objectively less talented team. Yeah, I want to bet on a rat team. Giants are a rat team. Like the last few weeks have shown why Vegas has been so low on them the whole season. They're a rat team. They're bad. Never deserve to be where they are. 
No. Were they seven and two? I think they were. We're that's fucking all right. It's ridiculous. Monday, Monday night football. Monday night football is. It looked like a stinker, it, and it then looked, Baker just happened. It looked like it was going to be amazing, and then the season happened, and then it looked like it was going to be <laughs> watchably bad, and then Baker Mayfield happened, and now all of a sudden, CC, I'm very intrigued. It, CC, I, it's not going to be good football necessarily. The Rams still oh, no. the Rams suck. And the Packers inexplicably have found a way to suck. Mostly Aaron Rodgers, but the defense has also been a mystery. Like Oh, the defense is underperformed. So bad. Has the, de- has the defense been I'm gonna ask you, and this is I hate when people ask me this these kinds of questions because it just it forces me to roll through a just absurd Rolodex of information off the top of my head. Nap always does this. Has the Packers defense been the unit that has underperformed the most of any unit in the NFL this season? Absolutely, without a doubt. I don't even have to think about it because I thought they were going to be a top two defense and they're like a bottom five. Okay. They're terrible. Between Rashawn Gary, they added Jerron Reed. They already had... Who's hurt, yeah. But you thought those three dudes would turn their offensive line into a fucking juggernaut. And instead, Gary got hurt and they've been below average. And then on the outside, like, you thought Jair Alexander was a top three cornerback in the league. You thought Rasul Douglas would really step into his own. I thought that Eric Stokes would blossom into a fucking superstar. But it turns out that when you have two dudes who should be man corners and you force them to run exclusively zone, they don't perform as well. It's kind of tough. And yeah. they're not even, not even, they're not even doing the match zones that they used to. It's exclusively soft zones. Like, they gave up on what worked last year. It's very dumb. All of it is dumb. I hate it. I'm going to love watching this game because I'm going to love seeing Baker Mayfield play because if he loses, oh well. But if he wins and beats Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to need somebody to peel me off my couch. Yeah. Uh, didn't the Packers also have some some conflict over who was playing in the slot too with, between Stokes and Jair and Rasul? I remember that. That was a thing early in the season. Jair, they wanted to put Jair in the slot because he's 5'9". And he was like, no, I'm an outside yeah. court. And they're like, okay. Right. Well, <laughs> okay, Jair. Eric Stokes is 6-1 and doesn't play particularly well in the slot. Okay. Um, yeah, no, Packers are a fucking mess. I feel like Aaron Rodgers has actually tangibly tainted the rest of that roster. But Oh, he absolutely has. This game's not really actionable. It won't be good football. I'm just excited to watch it because I want to see Baker Mayfield with a competent coach again because I don't know how many times I'm ever going to get to see that. I don't know how many times I've seen it before. It's just really refreshing. Should be fun. Yeah. It should. It's just undoubtedly going to be fun. Yeah. That is all I can say about this game. It will be fun, even though Baker Mayfield is throwing to like Tutu Atwell, who is twenty pounds lighter than me. He's five. Ben Skoranek, who yeah, yeah, he's twenty pounds lighter and some. Tutu Atwell's five nine. Eight inches shorter. <laughs> Yeah. Well, regardless, Baker Mayfield with good coaching, fun. Yeah. Baker Mayfield throwing to scrubs, less fun, still fun. I'll I'll put up with it. You know what? He did it in Cleveland for two years. Fine. I'll take Ben. I'll yeah. take Ben Skranek over Jarvis Landry. I fucking will. And I won't. I'll say it loud. Fair enough. Look, the Rams. A bar you can roll with. Yeah, the Rams had the worst roster in the NFL without Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford. Like they do. Yeah. And like even if you include Donald, like with all the injuries, look with all the injuries they've had, it's probably the worst roster in the NFL right now. It just is. Like especially because like look at it. Is so overrated. He's an average corner at this point. The man cannot. He cannot handle a deep breath. Dude, you could make Jalen Ramsey the best corner in the NFL. 
Jalen Ramsey could be the best corner in the league. Jalen Ramsey could be prime Deion Sanders right now. This roster would still be the worst roster in the NFL. Yeah, like, I, I don't care. It'd be pretty bad. It, it's that bad. They don't, right They're, now, without Aaron Donald, they don't have a defensive lineman who's starting on any no, team. No, no. Who the fuck is Hecht? Absolutely not. What is this Hecht fellow? Michael Hecht out of Brown? He's starting a defensive end. I don't know who the fuck he is. He's 310 pounds and he's playing outside linebacker. That's wrong. Shouldn't That's do that. bad. Yeah, no, his team's a fucking yeah. But you know what? If I get to see Baker Mayfield throw the ball downfield a few times, God forbid it's accurate. That's all I need. That's all I need. Yeah, it, it had probably zero intrigue before Baker. Now it's interesting. Now it's interesting. We get to see Baker with McVay. We get to see Baker versus Rogers or storylines. Um, Baker's comeback probably shifted the line like a point, Minimum. point and a half. Minimum. Yeah, yeah. Probably. probably creates a little value for Green Bay. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> but I'm certainly not um, this game. If I do, it'll be because I'm live betting because Baker Mayfield is showing me he is fucking special. And I don't, you obviously can't bank on somebody being fucking special, but. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of like Green Bay for that reason. Like Green Bay as a whole, still pretty good roster. They're still decently whole as a roster. And again, the Rams have Ben Skoranek and Van Jefferson as wide receiver one and two. Christian Watson's looked fantastic and. Christian Watson's legit. You know, the, he, he is. Imagine him with Devontae Adams. That would have been fun, but that would have been possible too. That could have happened. Regardless, I'm not I'm not touching the game. And I'm not, like I said, I kind of like Green Bay. Like I can't in good conscience fuck up the Eagles-Bills tease with this. It's just not. No, absolutely not. It is a good, it, it is a good teaser leg though. It really is. I just don't want to step in front of a hot Baker Mayfield. But no, I, like in all seriousness, Green Bay tees down to minus one is a pretty good. It's pretty good, but it's it's. Are you we really? Yeah, we we like the Buffalo legs. and Philly line so much that come on now. Yeah, no, we got two better legs. All right, so yeah. let's run through it real quick. Our five contest bets are going to be Minnesota minus four, Baltimore plus two and a half, but that's probably going to change when we know who the quarterback is. Regardless, we like Baltimore. New Orleans minus four, Oakland plus one, Cincinnati minus three and a half. Oakland plus one is my favorite bet. Cincinnati minus three and a half is Al's favorite bet. And then our bonus bet is going to be Tennessee plus three, while the week 15 PBFG teaser will be Philadelphia minus three, teased with Buffalo minus four. I, I, yes. I actually... I love that week. I really love that that slate. Sure. And you could do a money line underdog parlay, Baltimore and Tennessee, just for fucks. Throw Oakland in there. They're technically a technically another. Throw Oakland in there. They're technically a dog. Sure. We also kind of like Detroit. So make that another bonus bet just for the fuck of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not one of our five, but you know what? If you already like it, go ahead. Feel empowered. Yeah. Oh, did we say Minnesota? Yeah, we got Minnesota. Okay, perfect. Minnesota, Baltimore, New Orleans, uh, Minnesota, Baltimore, New Orleans, Oakland, or Vegas, and Cincinnati. Wonderful. Perfect. All right, this has been an excellent pod. Thank you for guest hosting with me. Hopefully, you haven't watched. This has been a blast. Yeah, it's fucking just talking ball, dude. Just going through the card. It's the best podcast ever. I actually enjoy making. Yeah, love it. Alice just got Wally pipped. I'm sorry to say. (laughs) Well, there will always be an Alice. Regard. I don't know what happens next week, but somebody named Al will be on the podcast. <laughs> All right. Love to hear that. Until next week, when you find out who is co-hosting with me, I can't ask you to follow our bets anymore because it's been a bad year. I don't want to ask you to fade us because that's <laughs> wrong. All I can ask is that you please bet on football games. Awesome. Yeah.